Coming up on Supernatural Confessions. What the hell just happened? I have not felt that kind of fear for the longest time. My colleague looked at me and she said, Run! Player. Supernatural. Is anyone Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Confessions, our weekly podcast where we feature and discuss all things supernatural, especially here in Singapore and Southeast Asia. We cover the myths, the urban legends, the superstitions, and most importantly, your personal encounters with the paranormal. I'm your host, Timo, inviting you to share your stories with us on our Facebook page or on our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. This episode features clips from our live show, which I host of Supernatural Confessions founder, Eugene Tay, streaming Friday nights at 10 on FB Live. To catch it in full, search for Supernatural Confessions and like us on Facebook. And now, on to the show. Supernatural Confessions. In this episode, Eugene and I are joined once again by veteran paranormal investigator E.T., whose critical approach and attention to detail have given him a keen eye and the insight to find scientific explanations and rational deductions to most paranormal cases. Our first confession comes from Eugene Ao. That time we went to Bedok Reservoir, I bring a bit of those incense. I think we were there about an hour. Mm. I hear there is a lot of footsteps. Coming from the water? Coming from the water and like slippers pop, 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 like. Then I can even like hear like like a small rock being thrown into the water. Pop. I hear it very clearly. I say, is that you? If it was you, can you do it again? Then I hear it again. Pyang. Obviously, Bedok Reservoir is an open area. You can see that there's nobody around you. Yes, there's nobody around me. How far away from you was it? was quite near, like uh, a few meters away. So you could see the water ripple that something has been thrown into it. And when you asked the entity to throw it again, it showed you that it could. Yes, yes. Then after that, actually, I look up. Like in a distant way, this one I can't really tell. I don't know if it was a fish or whatever kind of animal was it. Like a sort of a head thing popping up in the water. A head of an animal, a fish or something? I can't really tell because it was quite dark. Okay. But was it big, like a human head? It looks like a human hit to me lah. It came out of the water and it looked at you. It just popped out of the water very quickly and it actually went down. And the most interesting part is that uh, just now as I say, I bring the incense. The whole time that we were there about an hour, we bring lighter and everything. We couldn't light up the thing. Every time when we, we try to light up, there is always wind. What do we do at that point in time? I say to those things that I'm here just to explore. If I have disturbed you, I'm sorry. Part of what I do is try to find reasons that could be what he's experiencing. So like some of the guys who are commenting right now, could it be an otter? Uh, but the thing is, otter don't just go in one. They travel in the whole family. And then he said, it's a head. The thing is, I've been to Bedok Reservoir. You know, I used to live somewhere nearby and I would jog around Bedok Reservoir, right? And there are two areas that I find usually gives me the creeps. People have said they have seen sightings and all, uh, but his spot is near the hill. Uh, I think E.T. would know about this very well. You know the area, the boardwalk area? On the left side, there's a hill. That's the area where he says he tried to light up things, but every time he tried to light it up, there'll be a wind. If it's not lighting up, there's no wind. Uh, and then he saw something coming out of the water, he heard voices. And because Bedok Reservoir have such a reputation, based on what he's telling me and his fear that I could see as he's retelling a story, 
I am not willing to debunk his story and think of it as a hoax or he's trying to just you know pull a fast one I think he really experienced something there that day that he couldn't explain and if I was in the same position seeing the same things he had seen it'd be kind of hard for me to explain that too so you can't explain it Eugene Ao can't explain it E.T. okay I mean um, been living in Belo Reservoir uh, around that area for about 30 years uh, added the fact that I'm an avid fisherman, so I think I should be able to explain the various uh, incidences that occurred. But I do admit that, that Bedok Reservoir definitely has, has something there. I mean, even I have experienced before, and I'll, I'll leave it for another day to share. Okay, so basically, the things that he experienced, um, you know, like splashes, footstep sounds, actually, there's a lot of uh, life in the Bedok Reservoir. Uh they either found their way there uh, through the various drains that, that lead to the Belo Reservoir or there are people who can't keep their pet anymore. They release they release them there. There's arowanas, there's a red-tailed catfish, there's toman, uh, you know, and even terrapins. So one of the largest fish in the world are actually freshwater fish. And this particular fish that can thrive in freshwater very well and they're pretty hardy. It's called the aeropima. The aeropima is so huge, it's taller than most uh, adults. Okay, so, so the aeropima can cause splashes because of the way that it feeds. It opens its mouth and creates a vacuum within its uh, cavity within the mouth. So it sucks in its prey. So that could be the possibility of hearing splashes. The so-called shadow of the, the head of a human that he saw uh, possibly could be, I don't know, maybe a therapine coming up with its shell. Can you imagine like the shell coming up? It's the shape of a head. The other possibility could be a red-tailed catfish. If you've seen the red-tailed catfish, its head is really it's really wide and, and big. So if it comes up to breathe air, it would give that, that particular shadow of, of, a, of a human head. And then now back to the lighting of incense. Uh, if you've stayed there long enough, okay, for me it's been... 30 years. Uh, it's an amazing place because the wind is constantly strong and breezy. Uh, added the fact that uh, Eugene Tay was saying that it was near that hill area, so you get the downwind. I mean, unless he was using a windproof lighter, if you're just using a normal lighter with strong wind, it's hard to light when there's strong wind. Yeah. There's one point that Eugene Ao talked about where he asked the entity to splash again and then it responded. If it was a fish, that would be hard to kind of you know, replicate. But there can be a lot of fish, maybe the fish feeding just exactly at that point of time. Coincidences, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. In our main story tonight, we talk to William, a resident of Malaysia who reached out to us to share what is now easily the most frightening encounter ever featured on Supernatural Confessions. This experience actually happened just about 10 years ago when I was working with this um, corporate training company. So what we do is we take turns going to Kwantan. It's a two-month deployment for all the trainers. We were the first batch to actually go in and stay in that particular manager's apartment. There were three of us during that time, Miss A, Miss B, and myself. So there are two girls and me. We drove there from KL to Kwantan, and by the time we reached the apartment, it was probably about noonish, if I'm not mistaken. And we were quite excited because it was my first time going to Kwantan in that sense, but Miss A had been there before for a week. So on our trip there, she had not mentioned anything. So we were just going, and then by the time we got there, it was noon. And this particular apartment complex, it's like a walk-up, if I'm not mistaken, about five stories. And um, we were on the third floor. 
and each floor there are only two units quite big um quite luxurious sort of apartment right however it's luxurious but when we went into the apartment area the whole entire apartment complex itself is a little bit eerie where you know the trees were a little bit barren and it's always kind of cooling when you went there could you see your neighbors were there people or was it almost was it so sparse it is populated you can see kids playing and and all that but because it's not highly dense right so it's not really really populated but you you know you do see your neighbors but from different blocks what really interesting is the whole entire two months we were there we've not actually met any one of our neighbors on the same block mainly maybe because you know we've been we will go to work and come back really late and i'll tell you the reason why we leave early and come back really late so we walked up to our apartment by the time we got there with our luggage and everything we realized that uh, we have got a neighbor and there are only two two units right we were on the left hand side we heard like radio playing right from our neighbors the windows and everything were closed you know we thought nothing of it we just hear oh that must be quite loud inside and that's uh, what three of us said so then we walked in opened the door as soon as we opened the door we all got chicken skin literally the hair on our necks just it was just that you know electrifying that, that sort of moment right where you just go whoa you know something is just not quite right but we didn't really know it wasn't just one of you who felt that all three of you felt that immediately yeah when we walked in the apartment was quite huge right so there are actually three master bedrooms same size it was dark because the the windows were closed the blinds were closed the curtains were closed um and we decided before we go into anywhere we needed to air the area first right so when we opened the curtains it was sunny it's about noon to one-ish right so it's quite sunny during those times do you remember what the temperature was i mean did it feel it felt like damp air you know how like when someone has turned on the ac for a while and they turn it off and they leave the room yeah, and then when you walk in you've got this mm. the air is like cooling but it's not cold but it's cooling so we opened the window everything and we realized even after when we opened everything it was still dim inside so like somehow or other the sunlight doesn't penetrate in it was quite weird then we were like okay we turned on all the lights even when the lights were turned on it was still very dim what kind of lights are we talking about are we talking about yellow lights or white fluorescent lights fluorescent lights white lights multiple wow even with fluorescent lights it can't fill the room yeah so Um, we turned everything on. It's absolutely uncomfortable feeling. And Miss um, A told us, "Okay, let's put our stuff into the room and let's get out of here to get groceries." So I took the last room. I remembered this very vividly, like as if it happened yesterday. As soon as I opened the door to my room, and this is quite, you know, talking about it, I got you know a little bit of goosebumps. <laughs> the, there is this mirror you know those old vanity stand mirror full body mirror that stand alone it's made out of wood and then it can turn around and it has a red cloth that covered the mirror as soon as i opened the door and looked the cover fell and dropped i it felt like weird but 
again, I didn't think anything about anything because I was really exhausted. You know, it was a five-hour drive. The red cloth that was covering the mirror in your room, did you put it back on or did you just leave it off? I, I took it off, folded it and put it into the, the cupboard. Just to throw this in, you know how sometimes when a room has not been open for a very long time and the air is very still in there, you open a door, you introduce a little bit of air pressure inside, right? Do you, did you think that could be a reason why maybe it caused the cloth to fall off the mirror? That was exactly what I thought. So that's right. why I didn't think much about it, like I said, you know, and we were rushing to go out. So I put my back and then we went out to get groceries. In the car, uh, Miss A, she said, her and Miss B, they were going to room together. And she asked me, do you want to stay with us in the room? And I was like, um, no, it's all right, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, I'm the only guy, it's just not in, quite inconvenient. Um, but she's like, it's fine. You know, if you want to stay, and we've known each other for a long time, we've worked together for a few years, so, um, she said, it's okay if you want to, please, you know, think about it. She did say it's not really safe to stay alone. And then she told me on our way back, she, she said, if you change your mind when you sleep, she said, do not knock on the door. If you knock on my door, I will not open the door. Call me. I will open the door. Do not knock. Right? So I was like, um... All right, you know. So that night came and we went to bed. And nothing happened to me on the first night. Absolutely nothing. Then when we went out for breakfast the next day, Miss A asked, did anything happen to you? Uh, or did you sleep well or whatever not, you know, during the night? I said, yeah, that's fine. I'm too tired. I knocked off right away. Then she was like, okay, that's good. And that's all she said. And none of this triggered any alarm bells in your head at all? Not necessarily. Okay. One, I think I was on an adrenaline rush, right? In a sense, mm. uh, it was my first time going to Kwantan. So I was like, oh, excited to experience the area. And it was our first day on duty, right? So it was at more in mind than anything else. So you go to sleep, don't remember having anything happen that night, no weird dreams. You wake up the next day, during breakfast, Miss A asked, did anything happen? You said no. So then we went on to work and, and everything was just as per normal. So we didn't talk about the apartment or anything like that after that. So on the way back, again, the second time, she asked me again, do you want to stay? in the same room. Now, the second time round when she asked, I felt a little bit suspicious in a sense where, why is she asking me to stay in the room again? Then we got back to the apartment. Now, mm. when we left the apartment that morning, we ensured all the curtains were open. We left balcony door a little bit ajar so that air comes in and ventilate, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as we got up to our floor again, the radio from our neighbor went on. So that means it was off. You actually heard it come on. Yeah. Not music, but like, you know, someone talking sort of thing, right? Okay. So when we got back in, opened the door, as soon as we opened the door to our apartment, we realized that all the curtains were closed and the balcony door was also closed. Hmm. It was again that same feeling that we got for the first afternoon we got there. But this time... It was the evening. We got home about eight something that night. By the time we walked in, 
this time round, we all really felt eerie. And there was this gush of cold wind just, you know, on our face. And we asked this question, do we have a cleaner that comes in and does the cleaning? Yeah, because that's the obvious question, right? Has someone been in the apartment while you were gone? Exactly. And then we also asked, did you close the window before we go out? Because usually, you know, that may be our sort of like habit, right? Because we're leaving the apartment. And I said, no, definitely not. Because I was the one who locked up and I obviously left everything open. This balcony door, is it a door door or is it one of those big sliding doors that you... Uh, it's a sliding door. So I, okay. didn't, I didn't latch it. I left a crack, right? So mm. that air can come in. I didn't leave it all the way open. Left okay. a crack, but the curtains were drawn. Yeah. Right, and it was those curtains where there's a tie at, at the end, right? So we we made sure it was tied. Mm. But when we came back, the curtains were closed, and the sliding door closed and latched and latched. Wow! So we were looking at each other, and that's when Miss A told us that when she was here the last time, she didn't feel comfortable at all because she had pinch marks all over her thighs mm. when she wakes up in the morning but she wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night feeling anything no but she, when she wakes up she actually has bruises right like someone pinched her thighs wow so she said something just doesn't feel right and she's a skeptic herself mm. that's why i asked you whether you want to stay with us then it clicked in my head oh Okay, mm. no wonder, right? She's been asking me. Again, my logical mind sort of came out and said, but I didn't have any experience the first night, so I should be all right. No, don't tempt fate, William. <laughs> don't jinx it. <laughs> but that was what happened in my head. And, you know, I told myself and I was like, oh, it's fine. You know, I'll just sleep in my room. And then again, she reminded me, if you want to come and stay with us, do not knock. I won't open the door. Mm. Call. And I was like, okay. So we stayed mainly in the hall together. Mm. You know, chatting and, and grading papers and all that. And then after that, time for to sleep. And it was about 11-ish, 11.15, 11.20-ish, I remember. So we decided to go to bed. So I went to bed, closed the door and turned off the lights. I went to bed. Mm. It felt like it was five to ten minutes-ish after laying down and having my eyes closed. Yeah. I felt like... The air pressure in the room was a little bit off. I felt a little bit difficult breathing. Yeah. And I went into a sleep paralysis. You're certain you were conscious at the time? I was conscious, yeah. Okay. It's that moment you, you feel like you were dozing off, but you're not dozing off. You're dozing off, mm. but you're not asleep yet. So that I remember during that time, um, I felt something just crawled and stood on the bed. Not sat, but stood because you can feel the bed sort of like get pushed down when someone yeah. is standing, right? And and mm. your body sort of tilted. Mm. And I felt that, but I couldn't move. I remember feeling like just that sense of hopelessness just took over, just scared. Mm. I tried to pray. You know, I'm a Christian, and, and, and of course, you know, the first thing you think about is praying, right? Yeah. But... What's really interesting was whenever I wanted to pray in my head, mm. I couldn't say a prayer. 
I couldn't mention anything. I couldn't say anything. You couldn't even think of the words, express no. the words in your head. No. The only thing I could think was in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Yeah. And that was all I kept repeating and repeating and repeating. And I was just like scared because it was like this all of a sudden sort of situation where it just felt like I couldn't move. And then I kept repeating and repeating and repeating that for probably about four or five times in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Yeah. And then I sort of felt like the pressure slowly got lifted. And then like I was able to sort of move my hands. And as mm. soon as I able to open my eyes, I was able to sit up, right up, mm. right? Okay. In that, yeah. what the hell just happened, you know? I have not felt that kind of fear for the longest time. While you were in bed, going through your sleep paralysis, mm -hmm. uh, when you felt uh, like you were unable to move and you felt like something had climbed into the bed, did you feel like a pressure on your body or you felt someone standing on the bed but not necessarily on top of you? Not on top of me. But like, sort of like um, where they have each leg on. Either side of you. Yeah. 10 minutes later, you said the prayer a few times. You can now move your limbs. You sit up, you open your eyes. What's in the room? Nothing. It was just nothing, right? Hmm. So I was like, okay. Maybe, you know, I was just extremely exhausted. And that's why I went into this, you know, in-between consciousness sort of thing. And that's what I thought to myself. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Then I just went back to bed. Wow, okay. Lay down, close my eyes. Within minutes, and this was just really within minutes, mm -hmm. I went back into the sleep paralysis mode. And this time... What, the same night? The same night. This time round, I felt like someone moved my arms. I couldn't move my arms, mm. but usually I, I sleep on my back. I'm a weird sleeper because I sleep straight mm. with my hands on the side. I, I couldn't move because I was in that sleep paralysis and I felt like someone moved my arms to that T position, you know, where my arms are stretched out. On either side. On either side. Right. And then I felt, because I can feel my fingers drop mm. and you know how like I was sleeping on the side and that's why you can feel like my hands are sort of dangling out. Right. Then, this was, this is, this is, so then what happened was um, this time around, I felt someone crawling. It wasn't standing, it was someone crawling on top of me from my groins up to my chest, sort of to my shoulders and then two hands holding my arms on each side. And all of a sudden, then I feel like someone just knelt on my chest and I wasn't able to breathe. I, this time around, I panicked because I now know that what I felt, it's not my imagination. This is real. And, and I was conscious. Again, I could not pray. I couldn't say anything. The only thing I could say was in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. In a way, I felt like I need to fight this. You know, I cannot just stay like this because if I want to leave this freaking room, I need to get the freak out, right? So I was in my head, I was really fighting it. The only thing is I could say the prayer. So I thought I need to open my eyes. I need to see for myself if this is something 
or I have a condition, right? So it felt like 20 minutes. It felt a long time. I felt like I've been saying this, right? And I could breathe. It, the time just sort of stopped. And I was trying very hard to open my eyes. And I felt someone was breathing next to my ears. Mm. And there was a stench. What was the smell? It, it smells a little bit like sulfur-ish. So it wasn't a sweet smell. It smelled like sulfur. It was a portrait smell, you know, right? Yeah. And it was just that smell. Mm. But it was faint. It was not like the, you know, it's right in your nose, but it was this faint smell that you can smell. And I, I, I felt like someone was breathing on, on my ears next to me. Yeah. And then when I opened my eyes, this was what I saw. There was a figure kneeling on my chest. I couldn't tell whether it's um, a male or female figure because it, it's, it doesn't really even look like male or female. It was just a face and both arms holding my arms so I couldn't move sort of thing. Yeah. And I remember the smile. It was, it was more like, I gotcha, you know, that kind of smile very sinister quite sinister and then there was a third arm there was a third arm yeah because i remember there was two coming out of which part of the body i couldn't really tell because i only was you know like when you're laying down i was laying down my arms were right open i couldn't move my arms i opened my eyes all i saw was the body kneeling on me two arms were holding my arms and that smile, and then another arm came out and did the The finger to the lips. Yeah, and then just went As soon as that she happened, I just closed my eyes really quickly. Mm-hmm. And somehow or rather, by that time, I was able to shout. I think I shouted very loud. Mm-hmm. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. That's all I could also say, but I remember shouting it. And as soon as I did that, I reopened my eyes, the figure is no longer there. And the pressure was off your chest? The pressure was off my chest. I remember opening the door to my room. I took my phone really quickly. I just, I was in this like panic mode where everything happened like in split second, right? Took my phone, just pressed my, my colleague's number. Mm. As soon as the first ring, yeah. just it went. You know how it goes, doot, doot, yeah. right? The first, doot, doot, the door opened. My colleague looked at me, and she was pale, and she said, "Run!" And I just ran to her room. She closed the door. She was panting. I was panting, and. We didn't say anything for about a few minutes or so. I was just like in that shock, right? Mm. And then she looked at me. She was like, something happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we didn't talk about it that night. She just say, take this side of the bed, sleep. And that was the experience, right? The next morning she said she had a gut feeling that something bad was happening. 
because she woke up from a dream that something bad happened. She didn't. She didn't hear you call out because you were pretty certain that you screamed out. I mean, did she wake up because of that, or she had a dream? This was Miss A who opened the door, right? Who had the dream? Miss mm-hmm. B also said that she didn't hear anything except for the the call. Then, as soon as she woke up, she looked at her phone to see whether I called. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she took her phone, it rang. That was what happened. After that, we just stayed together. We ensured that we leave the apartment early and come back late. We go in. Everything we do, we do it three together, except for taking showers, right? Okay. Um, and we did this for four weeks. I didn't have any more experiences. Mm-hmm. After one month being there, Miss B had called the office and said she wants to be transferred back. She couldn't stand it anymore. Did anything happen to Miss B? She would wake up with pinches on her thighs. I mean, even though all three of you are in the room together, but she wakes up with pinches on her body. Yes. She was so terrified that we were supposed to leave the next following day. She just told us she couldn't stand. We need to leave right now. She had her bags packed and she was crying. And she said, we had to go. We just packed our stuff. We drove back the whole entire way home. Miss B was just quiet and then she cries. And then she gets back into the quiet mode and then she cries. Mm. It was just a very weird moment. And we knew that she was just terrified. She said she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. She only said that she wakes up with pinches, but she doesn't want to tell us anything else other than that. Did you guys see the pinch marks? Um, I didn't because it was on her thigh, but my Miss A did. Mm. And Miss A told us it was very similar to what she had experienced on the first week she was there. We had to drive back and she just kept telling us, once we get back to KL, can we go to a holy place? She said, I don't care if it's a church, a mosque or a temple, anything, a holy place. So as soon as we got back, we were passing by a Chinese temple and it was already past midnight. As soon as we parked, she flung the door open, she went and ran and knelt in front of the temple. Yeah. And she just stood there and she knelt and cried and cried and cried. One of the monks came out, nodded and just comforted her. All right, just a few other details I just want to capture because obviously when I hand things over to ET, I need to get as much information as I can. And sorry to have to keep making you relive the night of your encounter when you were in your room and you felt whatever it was leaning on you. When you opened your eyes and you saw this figure, now you mentioned you can't tell whether it was a male or a female? Because it wasn't a real human face. No really strong features, right? Yeah, it was, you can definitely tell eyes, nose and a mouth. How much lighting was there in the room? My lights were on. You were sleeping with your lights on at that point? Yeah, because after the first paralysis situation, I turned on the lights and left it on. (laughs) Okay, the lights were on. Were the windows open? Nope. The windows weren't even open because you mentioned there was a smell. There's no way that the smell could have wafted in from outside the windows into your room, into your nose. No, the windows were not open. So it couldn't have come in through the windows. Your door was shut. Yeah. So it couldn't have come out from your door either. You had no food in the room either. Nope. Okay. Was this apartment air conditioned, by the way? No. The rooms were not. 
Now, was there a radio on? I had my phone mm. to play scriptures after the first time waking up, right? Yeah. I was scared, mm. but I was trying to debunk myself. So then I had my phone also. Mm. Yeah. And then I played a little bit of uh, the scriptures um, on audiobooks. I had it very softly. But that could in no way make you feel like there's something breathing in your ear. No. Wow. And uh, nothing followed you home, right? Oh, no, no. Nothing followed me home. Nothing followed Miss A-ho. We oh, don't no. know about Miss B. Remember? Right. She okay. was just crying. But it's really interesting for us to see that Miss B was a jovial person. She had a very happy personality. She was mm. very excited to get there. But as that particular month went by, we saw her personality sort of slowly change to, she became a little bit less talkative, mm. quieter, like she would jump quite easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then at the end, the last couple of days before we left, she was in a depression. Yeah. So that's why we decided that we had to go because mm. she wasn't feeling well. So we don't know the end of that story. We also didn't want to ask the family, you know, that more or intrude. But thank goodness now, you know, we know that she's happily married and all that. Even once she came back from the trip, right? She didn't come to work. She was sick. She had fever and she said she mm -hmm. was sick. So she was on MC for almost a month mm -hmm. and then she resigned. I'm very fortunate that I have not personally experienced anything like what William did. Nothing close to it at all. The scary incidences, it happened to someone else. When it even happened close enough to me, I was able to move around. Uh, but for the confessor, he was pinned down. He was there for 40 days. He couldn't leave. I don't think it's just a single entity. Based on what I'm hearing, it's multiple entities in the house. There Demonic must be, in nature? It's a fine line, bro. It's a fine line. There's enough evidence to show that this is not your usual haunting, not even to the realm of poltergeist activity. This is demonic in nature, yes, but personally, I feel it's not the demons that William would have been used to in terms of biblical sense. Uh, you are in Kwantan. This house is an Airbnb house. There could be previous owners who have rented the place, conducted a ritual, attracted things, unleashed things in the house, and then left. And the things are trapped there. We also have seen, he mentioned about the mirror, uh, an old mirror. Could this be left behind from a previous owner who already knows about a haunting? Could this be a previous owner who has been keeping entities in the house but have since departed and the entity still remains one thing i think all of us are in agreement here the behavior of the entity is a very sexual very lecherous in nature so obviously it's been there all along it's watching them and it made itself be seen it crawled up on him it pins him down he's praying but his prayers have no effect on this entity so perhaps it's a ritual that's been conducted in this place it's a previous owner who has brought this demonic entity in or maybe just the land that was built on this could be an alternative as well the entire land that the whole condo was built on is a portal it's not just their house it could be the entire estate that they are not aware of you are not alone supernatural confession Okay, what's interesting is the occurrence did not happen on a daily basis, which is very interesting because if, let's say, the entity wanted them out of the house, it should be consistent, but it only happened 
on maybe one or two days for William. We're not sure about Miss B uh, or Miss A, but uh, let, let's focus on William. Okay, so after a long drive, they did say that they drove from KL. So uh, it's typical, it's tiring. So energy level will be down, okay? Um, very interesting, he brought up about that we hear consistently was the voices on the radio. Every time when they come in, they, they hear this sound, right? I think if he felt that it was just a normal radio, he wouldn't mention it. But I think by him mentioning it, it was probably out of the ordinary. And, and this is very interesting because there has been many uh, documented cases that people actually hear entities talking. It's gibberish. Uh, you, they hear voices, but they don't know what's happening because I have heard it before. So um, the, the voices on the radio uh, is really quite important in this uh, breakdown. Also, the position of the place, be it ley lines, be it feng shui or something, that definitely can, can be a cause. He did mention that he's got this damn kind of feeling and smell and stuff like that so obviously the place the feng shui i think wouldn't be that good now what's interesting was nothing happened the first night that is very interesting because in many many paranormal cases if it was a very vicious entity it would have tried to chase them on the very first day already uh, now next comes that very infamous mirror and everything so everyone gets scared of mirrors i mean since young my mom has always said never ever when you're sleeping in hotel room or anywhere never ever have your bed face the mirror to me it's actually very simple uh, I, I don't feel there's anything paranormal but imagine you're in a deep sleep suddenly you wake up you sit up and you look at yourself disheveled you haven't combed your hair haven't brushed your teeth you sure can't on so to me it is more of a, a logical thing that, that a mirror shouldn't be there and I'm very proud of uh, Timo. I think his uh, deduction was right. I think when the cloth fell off the mirror, it's very high chance there's probably air pressure because the windows, everything were closed. So it is really quite, uh, uh, I, I would think it, it is that of uh, air pressure. The other thing was about the pinches. Now the pinches actually leads us to a very uh, interesting type of haunting that, that we actually call poltergeist. Poltergeist is defined as when there's physical things like like plates being thrown, people getting abused and stuff like that. So this is what we term a poltergeist. It doesn't mean like in the movie that there's someone there, but it's just how we term a certain haunting. Also, I would think besides the long drive, a new environment uh, sometimes does affect someone's uh, physiological and psychological thing, la, which leads to the next thing which happened, okay, which I think is the most important in this case, which is sleep paralysis. Basically, every single thing in William's account on our body experience or astral traveling was very consistent, that inability to move, right? So what happens when uh, you have astral traveling is that your soul kind of misaligns with your body. So you lose your sense of everything. You, you can't smell you can't see you can't touch you can't move basically because you lose your muscles and everything it's just your soul many many accounts in astral traveling when they enter the astral plane they do see dark shadows uh, they do hear low humming noises and they see things which you wouldn't normally see on earth I guess that's the experience of astral traveling the next thing is about how he snapped out after saying his Christian phrases okay the thing is when when you are having an out-of-body experience you always will have this sensation you want to scream because you're in a different place you can't move and you feel that pressure the reason why you feel that pressure is because your, your physical body is asleep but your soul misaligns so you feel that pressure down you that's pressing down you but actually it's your body just very tired journals have been written when you're having an out-of-body experience how you get back to your body is to focus and one of the focus is very interesting it sounds silly but it's very interesting focus on moving your pinky Apparently, when you focus on moving your, your pinky, your soul comes back to your body. And I think for his case was that Christian phrase that he said, right? Another thing which I find really funny, because when you're in an actual plane, right, you have no sense of any of your senses, which is smell, taste, everything. 
but he could smell the rotten eggs. The sulfur, right? The sulfur smell. Ah, right? yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, the sulfur smell, which I would think is rotten eggs. You get the sulfur smell. Now, why I find it interesting is because many hauntings where it it is going to be a bad haunting, there's always this rotten smell. If you ask me, it's definitely not the EMF. Wow. I need a break because this is a very compelling case. It's very, very interesting because it's got almost every single thing a paranormal investigator wants to see. So one is uh, the tiredness and the new environment. It kind of uh, affects one's psychology, um, makes him more susceptible to probably hauntings and stuff like that. Entities tend to pick out things like that. I wouldn't term this as demons because if I think that the demons were trying to chase them out, it would be on a more regular and more consistent basis. Uh, next, it wasn't a demonic uh, possession because none of them were possessed. They were technically just disturbed. One had sleep paralysis, the other had a poltergeist attack. And it wasn't a very bad uh, poltergeist attack. It sounds a lot like the Malaysian folklore, Orang Minya, that you notice the pinches didn't happen on William. Right, it happened only on the females. That's not to say that he escaped unscathed because he did mention very vividly that he felt something crawling up his body against his crotch. So that also seems a little sexual as well. Which is why I brought up the Orang Minya because it really seems consistent with this story. Um, but then again, the Orang Minya, whether it's a hantu or not, it's hard to say. Um, it can be maybe uh, because they were there, there was some jealous guy that, that did so-called what black magic. But to me, you know, black magic sometimes is about putting hallucinogen into their drinks and stuff like that and, and causing them to, to go into sleep paralysis and other things uh, and then trying to take advantage. The whole story seems to, for me, in conclusion, it seems like what the legend of the Orang Minya is. And this, uh, you know, dirty old man kind of... Uh, entity or maybe it's just a black magic practitioner that's just trying to take advantage of the entire situation so whether it's a creature or not really don't know but i did not say the emf one of the rare times i, I don't know whether it's scientific it's hard to honestly this time i'm really it's really hard for me to determine it's science or not yeah but that's a high chance there could be something supernatural at work yes definitely definitely Supernatural Confessions To gain even more insight on such an intriguing and remarkable story, Supernatural Confessions reached out to Pastor Leon from St. Paul's Church to weigh in on William's encounter. As a pastor, what I believe is his encounter uh, is very real and these things do happen to individuals. And so, um, if you ask me, it's very clear that it is definitely a demon entity. It's not just a ghost or a spook. And one of the things about demons, they thrive on fear. Uh, they use fear to paralyze people. And in fact, one of the greatest stories in the Bible was actually from the book of Luke in the New Testament. There was an encounter between Jesus and a man possessed with a demon. This man had actually a legion of demons in him. And it is very interesting that when Jesus stepped out of the boat and this man came running towards him, kneeling and crying out to Jesus and acknowledging that uh, he is the son of God and says, please, please don't do anything to me, you know? So it is a known fact in the physical realm, when people, human beings like yourself or myself, or even William, if we were to see something which is really not ordinary that we encounter every day, uh, fear grips us immediately. 
And so the demon will thrive on it and make it so crazy for us. And, and we're not sure between reality or is this a fantasy? And I think one of the chilling moments in, in William's sharing was when a demon or the entity climbed on top of him and held him down. And in the gesture, the hand gesture, in fact, when William shared it, I could just see uh, in my own eyes what it looked like, you know, just going, shh. I mean, it's, it's really, really frightening. And, and I just want to say that it is real what William encountered. I guess what was particularly scary for me, you know, as a Christian, and of course William admits he's a Christian as well, was when he first started feeling the presence. And I guess for most of us, the first thing you do when you get scared is you pray. And he found himself unable to pray, to even formulate the words in his mind. Um, I think first and foremost as a Christian, and I'm going to be very, very honest and bold by saying this, you cannot afford to be a Sunday Christian where you can wield a magic wand and you expect God to work immediately in a situation like that. Mm. Um, you have to be practicing your faith by having a really close relationship with God. Mm. And I do believe whether William was, uh, whether he's a practicing Christian or not, uh, that's not for me to say. Mm. But uh, I do believe even in such a situation, even myself, when I encountered entities, uh, I got scared yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I jammed up, I froze up and I couldn't say what I wanted to say. Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm thankful that as I stood my ground, it just came back slowly and I was able to utter what I needed to utter, mm. you know. So for William to freeze up, I think it was a moment of fear that gripped in so badly. And so um, the one thing that I realized why William also could not invoke uh, an immediate uh, remedy and no disrespect to William, all right? Again, I, I want to be very clear. Um, there is a story in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. There is an encounter, there's a group of men, all right? They're, they're known as the sons of Sceva. And Sceva was a high priest in the Jewish synagogue. And so these sons of his were moving around in the city of Ephesus, um, which is uh, modern day Turkey today. And so basically they were moving around and they were like exorcists, you know, they were going from place to place and invoking uh, the name of Jesus over those who are demon possessed. And what was very interesting is they encountered one man and they began to invoke, you know, uh, and command the demon that was residing in his man to leave him. The demon replied and said to the seven sons, Jesus Christ, I know, the apostle Paul, I know, but who are you? The demon could answer them and they freaked out and the demon gave him a punch up so bad that they ran out of, the, of that house stuck naked, you know. So what I'm saying is that part of the story when William shared of how he couldn't pray and couldn't recite, um, I think it's a wake up call or a reminder if we are Christians, you need to actually practice it. And so that one stood out for me. That really jumped at me. Yeah, because allow me to share one just very quick incident that happened to me uh, some years ago. I was uh, at a church and suddenly there was this loud shriek in one of the rooms. And the pastor in charge of the church came running to me and says, Leon, Leon, there's an incident that's happening in the upstairs room. Can you please join us and help us out? And so I went up to this pastor and we went into the room and this room was pretty big it was like a regular classroom and so i opened the door and i went in and there was this huge man standing across the room and he was throwing chairs on the floor he was destroying the, the whole room and suddenly as i walked into the room he looks up at me and he shouts out very loudly he says jesus christ don't come near me <laughs> and, wow. and i just like what hmm. i looked around the room it was just myself and my pastor friend and the, i just decided to move closer to this to this man and he just 
kept moving back and he was afraid of me. Truth be told, yeah. Leon, you are a pretty big dude too. <laughs> no, this guy was bigger. This yeah. guy was bigger. Right. Well, well, what what got me that day was I I, I realized that this man, um, whatever entity that was possessing him, he saw into the spiritual realm, and I know who I was. I was Leon just standing there, and I believe I think he saw the Lord Jesus in spirit around me, probably. In an instance like this, I do believe these things again. They are very real, and the encounters that people get. Uh, will come in different sizes and different ways and, and means. So it is very interesting even for me to have an experience like that. I was more shocked than anything else for this man to say what he said, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, one more thing. A lot of people have uh, their own different habits, you know what I mean? Their own different practices whenever they, either they go to a hotel, to an Airbnb, you know, some will knock on the doors. They believe that I need to make my presence known out of respect for whatever is in there. As a pastor, what would you tell someone if they're actually going to somewhere new? to avoid a situation like this? For myself and Lyra, when we, when we travel, um, mm. we usually when we go to a new hotel or a new place or a new resort, um, I will say a little prayer and just commit the whole room to God that he will protect the room. I've known of some of my friends who are not Christians, they'll go in and they'll open the door and say, hey, whoever's inside here before us, you know, we're just here to stay at night and, and so on and so forth. So I think from a Christian perspective, that's what I do. I pray usually. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned hotel room because Lyra, Lyra didn't know this incident that happened uh, about two years ago when we were in Phuket, I'm not going to mention which hotel, we were in Phuket and uh, we had a very lovely place, so it overlooked the sea and we went to bed, uh, even though I prayed, yeah, uh, we went to bed and while I was sleeping in the middle of the night, someone sat next to me on the bed. Oh, wow. I felt the depression go down and I, and I very, uh, very softly, because Lyra was fast asleep, I softly said, hey, I am here, I prayed to my God so you don't disturb me, yeah? Okay, I want to sleep well tonight. Thank you very much. And then I felt the bed lift up again. It was about it was about three in the morning. Yeah, your eyes were open. Yeah, it was wide open. You can see the no one's there. You are conscious. You can feel the the bed press down, even though you don't see anyone there at all. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's what, that, yeah. that is intense. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I it didn't bother me really. I, I'm not trying to put up a brave front. Yeah. It's just that in this ministry. I've seen a lot and I have a lot to tell and share so yeah well of course we are at some point going to sit down have a chat and get all sure, the stories out of don't you worry. okay uh, yeah. but uh, I guess the one takeaway from what you just told us is mm -hmm. just don't take for granted that you're going to be protected anywhere always say a prayer right yeah yeah exactly exactly okay. yeah yep, yep. alright well thank you very much Leon for taking the time to speak to it us it was my tonight, pleasure okay? I wish William and yourself and whoever who's been listening in well yeah alright all the best yeah. stay safe thank you super Tonight's feature confession comes from William, who along with his colleagues found themselves in what can be described as a supernatural struggle for survival. During one very traumatic work trip to Kuantan, Malaysia, William witnessed some unbelievable occurrences. But perhaps even more unbelievable is the fact that having only survived his first encounter, William later chose to return to that very apartment for another work trip. On the second trip there, we went back. Miss A and Miss B didn't go anymore. I had another colleague um, right. who was with Miss A on the first week she was there. Mm. So this other colleague also sort of knew what happened, right? Because yeah. we spoke about it. And then she said, let's stay together. 
So she and I decided that we were going to room together. Did anything happen to Miss C the first time that she was there with Miss A? She just felt really uncomfortable. She's a Catholic and she was quite pious. Um, she just said that she would hear things like moving and sound from the upstairs, you know, furniture moving thing. But again, she was like, they're not disturbing me. I'm not going to say anything, right? Sort of thing. Because physically, she wasn't harmed. Okay. And then there's a third colleague who's a Muslim guy. And Mr. D is an interesting character. Mr. D um, is Muslim, but he has a gift. He could hear things. So he's quite brave. He has told us stories that, you know, growing up that, you know, he's been able to hear things. So he's like, I'm, I'm okay, you know, they're not going to be able to harm me. And we told him what happened, that we we're going to stay together, you know, we, it's quite open now. Everyone knows that something is not right in that place. Mm. So then when we went there, Miss C and I decided that this time round we're going to bring some, you know, some booze with us so that after work, after dinner, we get that before we sleep, we take a few shots just so that we don't experience anything. Did you bring any religious artifacts with you this time around? Oh, yes, we did. We brought everything that we could. So we had um, the Kuan Yin prayer disc yep. CD. We brought hymns. Mm. We brought a scripture reading. Even though we're both Catholic and Christian, we just brought anything that, we could, that is spiritual and religious. Right. So what happened is this time around when we went there, we decided that when we leave the house, we'll keep the CD playing, the CD with the hymns and everything as soon as we go out. And then when we come back at least, you know, it could be more peaceful. That's what we told ourselves, right? For comfort. You walk in through the doors, same feeling you had the first time? Same feeling. Exactly with the air and the goosebumps and the hair standing up. Yeah, and the radio on the side playing. It's always really interesting because it's always whenever we get there, the radio turns on. In your neighbor's house? In my neighbor's house. Now, Mr. D joined us uh, a few days later. He didn't travel with us. So Miss C and I went there. We weren't disturbed for the first couple of days. And we weren't disturbed the entire time we were there. But Mr. D, when he came two days later, he said that he would sleep in the second room on his own. We already told him what had happened before prior to all this. And he told us that um, he's not afraid. You know, he's lived with it for his whole life. That's fine. And we told him the same thing. We said, you knock on the door, we're not going to open the door. Hmm. So on that night, we went to bed. So Mr. D went to his room, he closed the door, and then Miss C and I, we were just chatting in our room. Then we heard, we heard knocking on our door. <laughs> Miss C and I decided that we we're not going to open the door. Okay. So the knocking just continued. Just knocking, no, no calling out or anything like that through the door? No, it was just knocking and knocking. And it was like three times, three times, three times, three times, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like knock, 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 and knock, knock, knock. It was three times hmm. of that three times. Yeah. And we were just like, okay, we were not going to open it. And we tried to ignore and we started you know, to speak louder, to make conversation lighter, and we just... But you didn't address knock, you didn't go, who's that? Ah, we didn't, because we mm. said that we were not going to... Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Then we heard, you know, a door open and close, mm. and then the phone rang. 
So when he called, we opened the door, and he was carrying his mattress mm. in the room. And then he said, "I'm sleeping in the room tonight, and until we leave." Okay. We didn't ask anything else. We said, "Okay, come in," because we didn't want to talk about it at night. <laughs> yeah. What time was this? This was like um, about midnight because we went to bed about eleven something. How much alcohol had you drunk? Because you said you you mentioned you brought booze. Did you yeah. actually drink that first night before? No, we didn't. We actually ended up not drinking throughout the entire trip. Yeah, we brought, but we didn't drink. So after that, the next morning, Mr. D told us that um, I've not heard so many spirits so angry at one time. So, in conclusion, we've realized that there are more than one entity in that place. Did he say what happened to him that night? I mean, what motivated him mm. to actually get his mattress, get out of his room, call you guys, and go and sleep in your room? He just told us that um, he's heard multiple people mm. screaming at him and swearing and saying that. You're not welcome here, you know that kind of thing. You know we're not welcome. They don't want us to be there. They will hurt us. That was what he heard. But he said it was like some of it was very clear. Some of it was sort of gibberish because he couldn't see. He just said that there were lots of voices. And when he what he couldn't stand was these voices. It wasn't like someone just being in the room and talking. It was like when he was laying down, they were just next to his ears, both sides. Did he experience any sleep paralysis? No. Or anyone leaning on top of him, or anything similar to what you actually went through? No, he he didn't. He just said that he heard, and he told us that because he's like sort of experienced, right? He said that he's never felt scared because of voices yeah. or uncomfortable because of voices until that night. Did he hear the knocking? Because obviously, when you mentioned about the knocking, they were loud, they were vigorous, they kept going on. Did he hear that happening from his room? No, to say he didn't. He just came out. We spoke a lot about all these situations、mm. after we were not going to go back anymore. The second time round, anybody get pinched? No. So second time round, like I said, both of us didn't experience anything, yeah.、Um, except for that one particular night with Mr. D. Do you feel like all the hymns and all the religious artifacts that you brought actually helped? We don't really know. Did you notice any more things like you know where you would leave the apartment, you'd come back, and the windows would be or the curtains would be drawn? Not. Curtains, but there were a couple of times where the the ceiling fan it was spinning like it was on, but it wasn't on. We acknowledge it, but we don't speak about it. Every time this time round, when we come back to the house, we just say we're just here to sleep. We're just here to sleep. We're just here to sleep, and we were very loud. We make sure that when we speak, we're sort of loud and we want to make noise. That's one of the reasons why we kept the hymns playing so that there's sounds coming in. So we had. The prayers in the hallway, the kitchen—you know, every single room we had a little machine or CD player. Was there any apartment security, by the way? There were. Did you ever talk to them? We did.、Mm. That's how we found out at the end that no one lives on top of us, below us, and we have no neighbors. Holy cow! And that particular apartment that we rented. Had been vacant for four years before we took,、um, and the security told us that it used to be a lady who lived there, and then she just disappeared and didn't come back. 
and that's why that apartment was so cheap. William, so all this time when you guys were going back and you hear your neighbors playing the radio, there's no one in there. Yeah. So apparently there wasn't anybody. And then only after we left, we realized, when we asked each other, do you realize that there were a lot of unread meals in our neighbor's house? Hmm. They were like, oh yeah. You know how like when you're in that, you don't really pay attention? Yeah. So you don't talk about it, right? Only when we sat down for our coffee sessions and we talk about these situations and we lived it, we sort of remember certain parts of it. And that was one of it. The radio that comes on only comes on whenever we open our door. So every time you're in the vicinity, then you hear this radio coming yeah. on. So you have the walk up. Before you open the wooden door, there's a grill, right? Yeah. So yeah. every time whenever we open the grill to our apartment, the radio pops on and our neighbor. But you have no neighbors. Where we hold no neighbors. We don't have one on top where Miss C says that she would hear people moving furnitures yeah. at night. And we had no cleaners. Yeah. And no one lives below us. Wow. Why, why did you keep going back, William? It's not a choice. It's work. Yes, yeah, still. To put yourself in that kind of position, I mean, that is an awful thing to have to do. Perhaps in my personal conclusion would be, because the place was vacant for so long, yeah. No sunlight or anything. There may be a lot of energies or, you know, or entities who've taken refuge in that particular place. And since we came in, we were like the intruders who came in, right? We were just the unlucky ones who experienced the first two months of it. I think after four months, no one wants to go. <laughs> no right. one from the team wants to go back to the apartment. So they had to move um, to a different apartment. Yeah. It doesn't seem like whatever is in that area is just tied to your apartment. I think it's affecting the entire block, right? Because you're hearing noises from upstairs. You're hearing stuff from the neighbors across the apartment as well. So that entire block may actually be infested or affected. Maybe. The securities themselves sometimes also hear the radio on that particular apartment, but no one is there. Supernatural Confessions Don't look behind you The first thing that comes to my mind is Why, William, would you go back to a place where you have been haunted before? Anyone who had had a haunting would know never to go back for a second round of experience. He did explain that he had no choice. It was for work, right? And if he didn't actually go and stay there, he, I mean, you're going to be there for a month at a time. He would have had to, you know, stay somewhere else out of his own pocket. But think about that. Miss B, from part one of the story, she had a choice. She was never, ever going to go back there. So this tells me two things about William. William. One, he is a sucker for pain and haunting. Or two, <laughs> he hasn't really been affected that much by the first round of his experience because Miss B obviously was more traumatized than he was. It, you would agree with me on this, right? Like all of us who had supernatural experiences, after a while, when 
the days have gone by, somehow our mind tend to erase the experience that we have and try to find logic behind it. And if you give a man 30 days and he had only one experience in that whole time, he tends to forget what horror is. Yeah, because it, it was not traumatic. Well, I don't know about that, guys. I mean, I, I dare say the first encounter, at least the way he was recounting it, right? He was pretty traumatized about it. But there is one thing that I, I want to bring up about uh, William, okay, is that Throughout the course of his experience, right, he didn't want to believe that it was supernatural in nature. You know, there was a lot of E.T. in him, I I feel. Like, even though, you know, he's smelling stuff, even though he can't move, he's already in his mind, right? You can see he's he's conscious of all the possibilities, right? And that tells me where his mind is at. I would be willing to bet my left ball right here, right now, that this is only coming across as a very calm William because it's a retelling of a story. But anyone who has been in a supernatural experience facing the odds and the fear at that precise moment of time, you would give everything to get out of that situation. It's only because he had only one, one. I'm not even discounting it. It it was a very scary situation. I heard the clip multiple times. I'm still scared. I totally believe in William, what he has experienced. But the human mind is able to discount all that fear when time has passed because it was only but one situation. Now, if you think about it, you're comparing Miss B and him, how she reacted to part one in the story, she was very traumatized. She was never going back there. And it didn't seem like it was just one night for her. It was multiple nights for her. And when it comes to William... So let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, okay, granted, I want to put it out there that uh, we really don't know what happened to Miss B. I mean, William says she didn't really want to talk about it. All he knows that happened to Miss B was that her mood had changed. Uh, She seemed very jittery. She had a complete change in personality, right? Um, She had pinch marks, right? If you just compare the pinch marks, right, to opening your eyes and seeing something going shh in front of you, right? I dare say, at least to me, William actually had the freaky encounter. The thing is, Miss P didn't, didn't really explain exactly what happened. It was only mm. the physical marks that she said. You never knew what, what she experienced. Maybe she experienced something worse than William did. Yeah. Right? But, but I think what what's the main difference between William and Miss P was Miss B experienced a poltergeist, which is a physical harm. William didn't. Mm. There was no markings on him. Yep. He probably just had sleep paralysis. So assuming we take everything apart and we just follow by what the exact accounts were, Miss B had a mm. poltergeist attack. William just had a sleep paralysis. So when you compare that, then you know the severity of the hauntings that each of them faced. With sleep paralysis, you can wake up the next day and tell yourself it was just a dream. It was sleep paralysis. But when you wake up with bruises night after night, mm. It's a lot harder to deny that. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to trip number two, the return to this particular apartment in Kuantan. It's a brand new trio, okay? Uh, It's uh, William, it's uh, Miss C, who has actually been to that apartment before. And of course, Mr. D. And Mr. D can hear the supernatural. This time he's in the bed. First, he claims that he's not scared because he's had uh, years of living with, uh, with this ability to hear spirits. Yeah. But then even he ends up getting so freaked out, he ends up running over to share the room with William and Missy. So you see, the interesting thing is this time round, it got a lot milder. If you analyse the entire story, Missy, Mr. D and William, they had 
nothing serious. No one pressing on them, uh, no loss of control, uh, no physical marks, which is why listening to part one and part two, I really don't think it's that serious of a, a, a demon trying to chase them away because you don't get things chasing them away. E.T., you missed out a very important point. This is all from Jess Williams' point of view. The fact that a very seasoned guy who's in part two now, who has seen ghosts all his life and is not afraid, is now running away. My takeaway from that is whatever that he has experienced is way worse than what William has experienced. Yeah, but he only heard voices. There was nothing physical then. That's what I'm trying to say as compared to uh, the first part of the story where Miss A and Miss B had pinches. That's why he ran away. Had he actually stayed, you never know what would <laughs> yeah. happen to him, right? Yeah. But that's it. Okay, so when he actually made the move, okay, when he was scared out of his mind that he had to drag his mattress, okay, over to the other room, before he did that, William and Miss C... This time round, they hear knocking on the door. One of the first signs that paranormal investigators look out for is knocking sounds. When you hear knocks in trees, not just talk, talk. Usually when you go to haunted places, talk, talk, right? Or talk. But when talk, 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 you ask again, is that is you? Can you make your presence known? I would like to confirm it for the third time. If you are the entity in this house, show me a sign by knocking again. When a presence can react to you with a knock on command three times, not once, not twice, but three times, generally in the field of paranormal investigation, we generally term this as a demonic entity. Why? Because the ability to respond intelligently to a request consistently on record and Three is usually the mocking of the Trinity, and this is where a demon would come in and try to assert its power by being more powerful than your faith, or in this case, more powerful than William's faith. I knocked mm. three times. I'm going to show right. you I'm not afraid of your God. So, E.T., what do you think of the knocks? Because we got to keep in mind once again, right? This was not just one person hearing the knock. I guess if you're tired and one person heard it, it could be hallucinations. But this was a, this was a situation where uh, both William as well as Missy heard this knocking, which happened multiple times. There is this small and really small possibility it could be the power of persuasion. Um, okay, why, why I say that is, uh, for example, okay, just beyond the knocks, uh, Mr. D is the new guy. Everyone else has been there before. And William did say in the story that they openly shared the story and everything. So the thing about Mr. D, he already has this so-called ability. Okay, we don't really know if he really has the ability. I'm just being a skeptic here. Um, and he can so-called hear hear voices of, of entities and stuff like that. So with the power of persuasion, and when you're there, and already we know that this place is, the lighting is no good and everything, that the entire mood would just, it just seems like it's out of a horror movie. So Mr. D may, may have that thought in his mind. And then Miss C and, and uh, William, already knowing that they've been to this place and there have been some experiences, sometimes they just say, hey, do you hear something? And there have been many psychological research on this. Although there was no real sound, but they say, hey, do you hear that? Although the person didn't really hear, but because of that, that so-called suggestion or persuasion, that person 
thinks he heard the sound. So that is a scientific point of view. Here's the thing though. William was very clear when he said, when we hear the knocks, we're going to ignore it. We're going to pretend. That's why they said from then on, they would just pretend they didn't hear anything because they didn't want to acknowledge anything in the room. They would just look at each other. So I can only assume that when they heard the knocks, it was a, I look at you, you look at me, mm-hmm, we both heard that, without actually saying, did you hear those knocks? You heard those knocks, right? So it's like, I heard it, you heard it, we give each other a look, mm-hmm, and then you just ignore it until the call came in. In which case, it gives me the impression, at least as a layperson, right, that there was actually knocking that they heard. I'm yeah. just wondering, could it be, I don't know, a leaky pipe? I, and you've had experience as well when it comes to sounds coming through the walls. You know what I mean? Sounds coming uh, from outside. Do you think anything could cause the sound of a knock? I think it's a bit tough uh, because most of the time the mm. sounds that we hear is water going down pipes and stuff like that that travels through the walls. But when you hear an actual knock, it's a bit hard mm. for sound to travel because it's coming from the wooden door or whatever material it's made, made from. It's a bit hard to travel through the walls and through the hinges yeah. and onto the door. So I think knocks from the door, uh, it's a bit hard to explain via sound travel. Yeah. Here's what I thought was interesting. And, and you would notice that I, I was very specific when I asked them this question because they were in opposite rooms, right? And when they heard the knocks, the way Willem described it, it was a loud knock loud enough for both of them to give each other the, the, the eye, right? So I asked him, when you asked Mr. D, because technically, right, if you in the room opposite me, right, and there's knocking, I should be able to hear it. But Mr. D actually said he didn't hear the knocking. He was inspired. He was motivated to quickly call them based on the experience that he had, the voices in his ear, mm. not because he heard any knocking at all. So I thought that was quite interesting that there was vigorous knocking happening on their door that wasn't heard in the room opposite them. So assuming that uh, Mr. D was in sleep paralysis, he wouldn't be able to hear the knocking. No, yeah. okay, that's a, that's a good point. All right, uh, and obviously there was a, a new twist, of course, uh, new developments in the story. Suddenly they realized that there were no neighbors above them, which means every time they heard chairs dragging, uh, what could that be? Uh, there was nobody be below them, and most importantly, of course, there was nobody in the apartment opposite them. The same apartment, they would hear the radio coming from, at least what they thought was the radio. E.T. Yeah, so there's been a lot of uh, paranormal research uh, uh, um, findings that actually these gibberish voices that you hear from radio may be entities actually trying to communicate with you. Through the radio or just, you know, vocalizing in the air? Vocalizing the air, uh, but you may think it's coming from the radio because that, that's how it might sound. Uh, it's, it's a bit hard to explain, but I personally experienced something like that uh, when I was around, I think, 18. I, I used to hear voices in my head and I thought I had a mental issue. Uh, psychology said that I was fine and everything. So then, then I did. I really don't know what, what's wrong with me. The, the voices will be surrounding me and it's multiple voices, not just one voice. Uh, and it's surrounding me and and the voice gets louder and louder and louder. And to a certain point, my mind just goes blank. Um, so I really thought I had a mental issue until once, I, I can't remember this, some time ago, um, Channel 8 used to have this series on the paranormal. And you know how, how this uh, series are? Before they go to the adverts, there's this like short snippet uh, a bit about the show and then you have sounds and everything. 
and I really stood up. I, I stood up and I was shocked because the exact same sound I hear from the snippet was what I used to hear. Is this voices from people but it's something you don't understand? Is this gibberish? And sometimes to a certain extent it does sound like voices from, from a radio which you, you just don't know what they're saying. Yeah, the reason why I ask whether or not it was a supernatural entity working through a radio or just basically creating sound out of nothing in the air is because, you know, uh, supernatural investigators or paranormal investigators, I'm sure you guys have used that as well, like a voice box or a talking yeah. box. How the spirit box works is it goes by radio radio frequencies. One goes out, one goes down. They scan two different, two different frequencies. And by right, when you go up and down and scan two opposing end of the frequency you will hear just <laughs> white noises but when you can hear actual voice coming from that is what we would paranormal investigators would mean would believe is the spirit has used radio waves to try to communicate but the thing is when they use the radio wave to communicate we as human our ears don't hear it which also tells me in this situation when the spirit could manifest at will could it also mean it could try to implant things in your mind at will. In the room, you are in that situation. You hear things. Could they be in another environment? They all hear things together when there is no real knock on the door. However, they do hear knock on the door together because they are in that zone, that bubble, or in the case of spirit box, that environment. Now, when we look at further evidence on the place being extremely empty and they hear sounds from radio now this i'm coming from a very first-hand experience uh, and I, I i do agree with et on this when we hear disembodied voices because as human nature when we are not afraid when we're not thinking of ghosts and we hear disembodied voices our main thought is there must be a radio somewhere because there's no way in our conscious mind, in our very logical mind, a sound can be played without a source. So when he comes in every time to open a door, he says he hears voices and he assumes, he assumes, William assumes, it must be a radio from another place. But like what ATS has said, this is a direct supernatural experience when they are hearing voices in their ear because in nowhere in part one or part two did William ever say he can hear the song he can hear the words it's always sound and when people who have experienced supernatural uh, encounters the voices they hear is never clear it's always gibberish you are not alone supernatural confessions do you think this time around, because they brought religious artifacts with them, do you think it played a part in why they didn't experience something quite as as traumatic as they did or dramatic as they did the first time around? Tim, the only reason why I think they managed to walk out of that place with their life intact is because of all the spiritual mantra and the prayers that they have played. These guys have stayed in a proven haunted house for a month. And the only reason why the second part is less hideous than the first part the only thing that's different is the mantra that they're playing. So these mantras, this, they played not just the Christian one, they played the Christian, they played the Buddhist, they played the Muslim one. They did whatever they could to beef up the protection around them. Now, we've 
did discuss in part one that this may not be a demonic entity in the way that we are aware of and then what could it be could it be, be could they be the islam side could it be a uh, 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 from the underworld we don't know but the fact that these guys came back with three four different types of mantra playing in the living room the kitchen the hallway that has got to count for something because if we sit here and we deny the fact that the prayers and the mantras don't count for anything the question i have for people listening into this is why do we even bother praying in the first place so from a psychological point of view when you bring over holy stuff um it has a very positive effect on your mentality uh you have your hymns you have your mantras being played for one it breaks the silence uh, you go to any place if it's totally silent you tend to be uh, afraid a bit more than when there's some sound so when you have sound and something which is gentle which is very soothing and calming you're definitely in a more positive mentality and another thing i like to bring up is a lot of people don't realize this um and, and this is all due respects to to all religions i, I mean i'm catholic too but then let, let's look at the scientific uh, aspect of it um there have been research done on prayers a lot of people don't realize that okay for one a lot of people only say prayers when dire straits okay where, where they really need help a lot of people also do not realize that when you are saying a prayer besides having that prayer being directed to the god that you believe in you're actually talking to yourself we are always so caught up with our work and our life and our families and everything. We don't really have time to to sit down and, and go through our mental thoughts. So when you are in a peaceful place, like a place of worship, and you're saying a prayer, you're actually talking to yourself. So sometimes your mind breaks down everything, thinks over what you're saying, puts you in a positive mindset, and that's how you actually get better. I didn't say it's a placebo effect, but it has a positive effect on your mentality which gives you that so-called spiritual strength and, and maybe that could be the reason why uh, Miss C and, and, and William did not have so much of an experience uh, the second time round. In conclusion, uh, taking into account uh, everything that we've taken in from A, B, C and William uh, part 1 and part 2 um, I feel it's not so much of a demonic kind of thing um, but I, I really somehow my, my gut feel I, I really don't know because I wasn't there doing the investigation my gut feel it's some sort of black magic at play um, maybe someone was jealous a business partner or something like that I'm really not sure um, but some black magic at play um, maybe that's how it invoked the orang minyak or something like that but just to disturb them and put them out of sync from what their their work their work is which is like what corporate trainers and stuff just just to break down their mentality you know so so that they can't perform as well because if it's really a residual haunting from that place i would think that the hauntings will be more consistent it'll be more violent and it should affect every single one and not just a few people and especially with part two it was so mild down so i i really don't think it was something to do with demons and stuff like that now that we have heard part two from part one, it seems that the entire area is haunted. But it doesn't seem to me as a black magic problem because if it's a black magic problem, it's very directed. And it leads me to believe that the entire building and estate is built upon a land that is unclean in the first place and there is a portal in that place that tries to chase all these human beings out of place. They do not want them there. Supernatural Confessions
Supernatural Confessions would like to thank all our listeners, viewers, and fans for your continued support and submissions. Big thanks as well to William and Pastor Leon for being a part of our show. Before we end this episode, we have one more confession submitted by Joan and narrated by Yaz for Supernatural Confessions. These stories happened to me and my family while we were living at a really old two-story type HDB flat in Bishan. I can't exactly recall the exact address, but it was pretty near to Junction 8 and there was a hawker or wet market on the opposite side of the road. Now some of these accounts I didn't experience personally, but it was shared to me by my parents many years after we moved out because they didn't want to cause more fear than what we already felt. The house was rented to us temporarily because we couldn't find a replacement in time. We stayed there for about six months and my dad's sister was the landlord. So she had been living there for quite a few years and at that point, her family had plans to move to Bangkok due to my uncle's business needs. So that gave us the opportunity to stay there for a while while she tried to sell it. One morning, our helper asked my parents if they had knocked and opened her doors while she was sleeping. But nobody did that. This happened a few times, and after a while, the helper stopped bringing it up. When we first hired her, she seemed like an independent person. But a few months into living with us at this Bishan flat, she started asking my parents what time they would come home and we would always spot her near the window, like she was waiting for us as we turned into the car park. There was also a master bedroom that was left unused. So my dad had a habit of ensuring the curtains were drawn apart to let sunlight into the room, but he left the window panes shut. But then the next day, he would notice the curtains were pulled shut. When he asked around, no one had touched it. So he tried it again. But each time, the curtains would always be pulled back shut. So after a while, my dad gave up. Another time, he was sweeping the second floor and came close to that master bedroom area. He was suddenly startled because he noticed the door was trembling as if the wind was blowing hard, really hard at it. Now the funny thing was, the windows were shut tight. There was no air ventilation nearby and there was no wind. The trembling stopped once he walked past the room. And since then, he would avoid sweeping too close to that area. And I think in his mind, he would tell whoever that was in there that he's not planning to invade their space. So the thing that happened to me personally, I'm unsure what it really was. I shared the room with my sister and one night I woke up startled. I just really couldn't move. My eyes were open and I could tell the time was around one plus in the wee hours of the morning. I was scared. I couldn't understand why my body could not move. So I decided to shut my eyes and tell myself to go to sleep. While I was drifting into sleep, I suddenly heard what sounded like echoes of multiple voices 
meshed into one. At that point, I felt a cold pang in my heart, but I continued to ignore it, chanted Guaning's name, and finally drifted into sleep. The next morning, I immediately asked my sister if she had heard anything the night before, but she slept like a pig as usual. To be honest, I don't know what to make of it. It could be that I was really tired and hallucinating. My aunt also didn't share any bad experiences with us until we moved out. I heard from my parents that she quarreled a lot with her husband while they were there. A few weeks before we moved in, while she was packing with my dad at the dining area next to the long corridor outside, she saw something white flash past the corridor really quickly. She immediately stuck her head out to look, but there wasn't anyone along the corridor. The last I heard five or six years ago, they had difficulty selling the house. The agent who went there just didn't like to linger for long. I personally believe there was an entity inside the house with us, an older lady, but it didn't really do us much harm. Maybe also because we had the Guaning portrait. This is actually very similar to uh, William's case. Um, sleep paralysis is probably what was experienced. I mean, when, when people enter sleep paralysis, uh, they hear whisperings, they hear this low humming noise. So, so I've seen a lot of comments, a few comments, people say that they experienced the same thing. Try to remember the experience and think back. Did you hear this low humming noise? You will see figures, you see shadows. And that's quite apparent uh, when you're in the astral plane. And a few things also that, that, that happens, you, you can't move, you can't scream. Uh, that is very consistent with the story. Um, and also, she, she spoke about how her auntie and uncle go into quarrels. Um, very interestingly, now, or at least the past two months, in the COVID and the circuit breaker situation, I think there has been a lot more tension among people. Right. Mm, mm. One thing I realized is also the temperature. Okay, I think my wife is sleeping now, but I realized when it was very humid and very hot, tempers get flared up in the house. No, for sure. So how her house is facing the structure and everything, where the wind is flowing, I think that plays a big part. So sometimes the weather and environment plays a huge part with uh, people's emotions and stuff. So I think it's a combination of both. I really don't think it's the hantu. I would think it's sleep paralysis and, you know, tension is tension. I know husband and wife, uh, you know, it happens. <laughs> Supernatural. And that concludes this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you're listening from. Supernatural Confessions, the podcast, is free to listen to on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever podcasts are played. You can also share our podcast and our content with your friends and help us grow our network of Supernatural fans and enthusiasts. For more information on what we do and where we do it, like us on Facebook and visit SupernaturalConfessions.com. Until our next installment, my name is Tim O, and this is Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural Confessions.